people and welcome to the best combat sports and culture show in the universe. I am the underground king, Serge Vicente, man, and welcome to episode 155. Yo, we're moving right along. I hope you've all had an amazing weekend. Yo, it is absolutely fall out here, man. It's starting to get a little chilly. Um, There's that young bite in the air. Football is cracking. The NBA season is doing what it needs to be doing. The Golden State Warriors are looking super trash. (laughs) But uh, look, man, it's been a good one. And there was an incredible, incredible, incredible fight weekend that we are going to break down, man. We have a fun one. Um, In terms of this weekend, yo, I hope you all had an amazing weekend. Um, It was nice here in the city, man. It was nice here in Chicago. Um, Really being able to sit back and enjoy fights. Friday night, I felt like a little ass kid. Saturday morning with my morning cartoons (laughs) being the UFC Singapore card. Midday, we had the World Bo- the Boxing Super Series in London with Regis Pro Gray and, um, and Josh Taylor. Then we go ahead and move on to the Bellator card in the evening on top of the Shakur Stevenson card. Man, it was a fight fan's dream this weekend. It was a lot of fun. And with that being said, on today's menu... We're going to go ahead and obviously talk about Bellator 231 and 232. Is Douglas Lima the best fighter in the world at 170 pounds? We'll discuss it. Also, UFC Singapore, Ben Askren took another L. And this time to the 42-year-old Damian Maya. Is he done? Boxing, as I was talking about, Shakur Stevenson, the star on the rise, gets a huge win. We're going to talk about the WBSS 140-pound finale for the Muhammad Ali Trophy with Regis Progray and Josh Trailer. And we will, and Taylor, I'm sorry. And we'll also, I'm also going to give my thoughts on USADA because this weekend, man, it got a little dicey. It seemed for a hot second that we might not get that BMF fight. It seemed like for a moment in time, it was all going to fall through our fingertips, man. So I will go ahead and discuss that. Um, But before I get to that, man, obviously I want to give a shout out and some love to our sponsors, and that's Sage Eats. SageEatsChicago.com. Check them out. Healthy Meals and Fitness Mentoring. They go ahead and take care of your healthy needs all here in Chicago. But if you do not live in Chicago, they do fitness mentoring for you. They also do nutrition consulting. Check out Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off your first three months. Also, while we're at it, yo, check us out. At thefightpodcast.com. I'm loving all the responses I've been getting recently. Thank you all so much for the love and support. Continue communicating with me. I'll continue answering the questions that you guys want on top of actually going out there and actually give you that fire content, man. So check us out, thefightpodcast.com. 
everywhere podcasts are available. Download, rate, share, tell your friends. If your friends love combat sports, if your friends are interested in combat sports and culture, let them know that the Fight Podcast is the greatest combat sports and culture show in the universe. So check us out. Also, check out the Fight Podcast. And remember, everywhere podcasts are available iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Check us out also everywhere. Um, uh, all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente. You guys um, communicate with me there. Communicate with me on the website. I'm the one taking those directly. So um, any questions, comments, concerns, some love, even a little heat. I'm here for it. So uh, I appreciate the love as always. Let's go ahead and jump into the episode. All right, let's go ahead and start with UFC Singapore. This was Saturday morning, bro. I woke up 6 a.m. I felt like a little kid. I had my robe on, my Star Wars pajama pants. (laughs) My, my my the fight podcast shirt which we will be selling for the holidays if you haven't had an opportunity check them out they're on the uh id website as well as the uh, ig page you guys to see what they look like but we're starting to sell some merch man so check them out that'll be coming to you guys hot so i was rocking all those and um sat down with my cup of coffee and my dog nico and we just watched fights, man. It was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't the, the most stacked card. But, man, 6 a.m. fights is a good time. So, setting down, that was in Singapore. And the card itself was headlined by a grappler's delight. It was one of those cards that, as a grappling fan, you, you have dreamt up for years. Damian Maya arguably the greatest jiu-jitsu practitioner to ever compete in the UFC against the person that a lot of people believe is the greatest freestyle wrestler ever to compete in MMA. So, Ben Askren versus Damian Maya. I'll start there and I kind of work my way down. This fight showed me so much. And it really brings into question how good Ben Askren is. But in terms of the fight itself, a lot of the fight took place on the feet. And this happens a lot of times when you have two grapplers. So when you have two guys who are so dangerous and good on the ground, they end up throwing fisticuffs. They're going back and forth. They're throwing shots. And um, when it actually did get on the ground... We saw exactly what we expected. Some of the best transitions. Some of the best scrambles that you will see. It was entertaining. I legitimately enjoyed this fight. It was entertaining. It was fast paced. But 3 minutes and 53 seconds into the third round. Damian Maya caught Ben Askren slipping and literally put him to sleep with a rear naked choke. Now, Ben Askren is 1-2 in the UFC, arguably 0-3. That first fight, he took a terrible beating in the hands of Robbie Lawler. And it got a lot of people talking about, yo, Ben Askren's done. Ben Askren's trash. 
Real quick, before I get to Ben Askren, let's go ahead and obviously give love to Damian Maya. What Damian Maya is doing, next week he turns 42 years old. Physically, he looks incredible. He is still one of the best grapplers in the sport. If you if he gets a hold of you, yo, you're fucked. It's not a if, ands, or buts about it. If Damian Maya gets a hold of you, you are in trouble. And even somebody as great of a grappler, and here's the thing, even on this show, you guys heard me recently say that at the end of the day, a legitimate wrestler beats a legitimate jujitsu guy. It didn't turn out this way if you actually looked at this fight. But I still stand on what I was saying. Damian Maya is great as he looked. Obviously, in his career, his wrestling has gotten a lot better. His striking has gotten a lot better. And all in all, what we can really look at in this fight is he is a more well-rounded guy than Ben Askren. Not saying that he's better. And here's the thing. Ben Askren is one of those guys that if we look at his resume, he beat some amazing guys. He's beat Douglas Lima, who I'm going to talk about soon. He's beat Andre Korshkov, who was also a champion over at Bellator. But after he couldn't get negotiations or anything right, he went over to one championship and was winning over there. When all this was going on, and remember, he beat a young Korshkov and he beat a young Douglas Lima. So when you're in the UFC, which is the best organization in the world, it is proven that you cannot be one dimensional. You can't. Even Damian Maya, who was a specialist, improved his striking, improved his kickboxing, improved his wrestling so he continued to compete. Hence, he has 22 wins, one win shy of the UFC record that uh, Michael Bisping actually holds. So he has 22 wins in the octagon. Never had a belt, but he has those wins. Dude is a legend. But the reason that he actually had to go actually and, and make those adjustments and adapt is because of the well-roundedness of everyone who he is competing against in the UFC. Those early losses that he had in his career. The big knockout KOs, the losses to Anderson Silva. The quick KO loss to Nate Marquardt. Those type of losses made him go back to the drawing board, reassess his game, and go ahead and continue building. On the other hand, Ben Askren, who was undefeated running through guys, strictly using one skill set and controlling people on the ground, was never really forced to adapt. He even said it himself. He was like, look, man, I tried to kickbox once time, um, and I was fighting Jay Haran. Jay Haran, the former Bellator standout, the former UFC standout. Jay Haran was an absolute monster. After the fight with Jay Haran, Ben Askren said, look, man, I got beat up more than I should have. I'm going to strictly focus on my wrestling. And he was able to do that and dominate for a big part of his career. 
Also, we have to take into account that Ben Askren actually retired for two years before the UFC traded him and he ended up coming back. So not only was he not forced to adapt, he also was inactive for a while. So what, and if we look at, for instance, I'm hearing, oh, the UFC got the better of the trade or Bellator one got the better of the trade between Ben Askren and, and, um, and Demetrius Maidamash Johnson, who currently has the title at 125 pounds down there, the, their Grand Prix title, should I say, and he's fighting for the title Q1. Three and three and zero, oh, three dominant victories, one and two, fastest knockout loss in UFC history, and we also have the getting choked out, put to sleep, put to sleep in two out of three fights against a 42 year old man. I can't sit there and say that one won. Originally, I want to say one championship won the trade. But think about everything that we have gotten from Ben Askren. If it wasn't for Ben Askren, we would not have this BMF title fight. Because we wouldn't have the, the, the five-second knockout. We wouldn't have Jorge Masvidal. At least in the same capacity. Right? He wouldn't have the level of stardom that was necessary. That stems from a Ben Askren. Oh, so I'm not going to say in every fight that he has been involved with from the beginning has been a big draw. Look at the numbers. They're there. The dude is a draw. Now, on the other hand, one championship is getting exactly what they needed and wanted from Demetrius Johnson. So at this point in time, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's a wash. It's even nobody lost except for honestly Ben Askren, which we'll get to in a little bit. A lot of people after the fight were saying, oh, my God, look at how good if Damian Maya did this to Ben Askren. How good is Colby Covington? Colby Covington is going to win the bell, blah, 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 blah. And I don't do this normally, but I am the underground king. So I'm going to go out here and I'm going to quote myself. On Twitter this weekend, when people were going back and forth, I said, look, for all of those asking how good Colby Covington is, let's take this into account. One, Colby Covington is very good. He's great wrestler, top flight gas tank. Point number two, he beat Damian Maya using Tyron Woodley's game plan. Yo, if you are a Kobe fan, you can't deny that. He used the exact same game plan that Tyron Woodley did. Point number three, Ben Askren is past his prime. Yo, we have to admit it. Again, not evolving, which is on him, but also the two years off that he took. Imagine, he's 35 right now. Imagine if we got Ben Askren at 27, 28. Yes, he might have taken a loss or two, but at the end of the day, which is obviously something that I really need to start saying differently, but in this case, it works. At the end of the day, this dude is somebody that if we got at 20, 28, 27, 28 years old, even if he took an L, he would have been forced to adapt. Or he would have been gone a long time ago. 
And my point number four is this. Kamaru Usman, the champion, beat Damian Maya also, and it was by far more dominant. Point number five, for all my Colby Covington fans out there, I know you're listening now. You're getting mad. My fifth point is this. Yo, y'all need to relax. <laughs> y'all need to relax. Yes, Kobe is amazing. He's a great talent, but other people in the world have already beaten this man. It's not like Damian Maya is an undefeated fighter. He's not. Askren's out of his prime. Maya is out of his prime. Maya already came off an L when he fought um, uh, Kobe Covington. I'm not saying that Kobe's not good. I actually believe that Kobe is has a he is a legitimate threat to Kamaru Usman. But if we go back and we actually look at the numbers, Kamaru Usman was by far more dominant than Kobe Covington was. Damian Maya never landed more than seven strikes in any round against Kamaru Usman. The least amount of strikes that Damian Maya landed, or should I say, the least amount of strikes in a round that Damian Maya landed against Kobe Covington was 15. So just in the striking alone, that shows that control-wise, Kamaru Usman had more control. Yes, it was a five-round fight versus a three-round fight, but one, he absorbed less damage in Kamaru, and he controlled his opponent the, the most. So in turn, yes, he had a more dominant victory. Again, not taking anything away from Kobe, but at the end of the day, y'all just need to relax, okay? Um, Ben Askren, where should he go from here? I'm not saying he needs to retire, but he needs to have some strategic, legitimately strategic picks on who he fights next. If he fights somebody again with amazing takedown D and hits like a ton of bricks, he's probably going to take another L. And then the UFC takes a loss on the trade. Me personally, I think he should retire. I don't, it's too late in the game to evolve. And it doesn't seem like he's ready for it. His striking, if it was a straight kickboxing match between him and Kron Gracie, I got Kron Gracie piecing his ass up. Yo, even Brian Campbell from the uh, the morning podcast. What is it called? The yeah, the morning combat pod with uh, Luke uh, Luke Campbell and um, I should I say Luke uh, Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell. He even said the exact same thing. So all in all, man, we'll see what happens. Damian Maya, what's next for him? Well, for Damian Maya, it's this. Damian Maya wants Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez said yes. I want that fight also, Dana, make it happen. It'll be a great fight for both of them to sail off for the sunset too. Next on the card, the co-main event was Michael Johnson making his return to lightweight from 145 pounds was fighting against Stevie Ray. Look, Stevie Ray wins this fight. Me personally, I had Michael Johnson winning this fight. I thought it was a questionable win. The reason I say that is if I look at the striking, right? First round was close, so it all depends on how you scored the first round. 
It was a close fight, a close round, but I thought that Michael Johnson did more damage. He landed 27, um, 27 strikes in comparison to the 25 strikes that Stevie Ray landed. The second round, 37 strikes, Michael Johnson, 24, Stevie Ray. Much more dominant round. Round three, Michael Johnson was cruising until about a minute and a half left in the, in the last round. He got taken down and Stevie Ray put the yammers on him. He landed 55 strikes, but the bulk of that was in the last couple of moments of that round. I don't see how you score that fight for Stevie Ray. I'm not mad at it, but again, I gave the fight to Michael Johnston. Unfortunately for Michael Johnson, this is two losses in a row. My man is essentially a 500 fighter. Win one, lose one, win two, lose two. Goes back and forth. He won't get cut from the UFC. He's too damn entertaining, and he has fought the who's who. His next fight, he needs to get a winnable fight but he also needs to get a winnable fight against someone who is, I don't know. I, I, I generally don't know what he has to do. I mean, look, his last fight, they, a fight that he was winning all the way throughout against Josh Emmett before he got knocked out in the last, uh, last minute of the, of the fight. Michael Johnson needs to essentially figure out what he wants to do and how he needs to stay focused all the way to the final bell. They were talking about that throughout the entire uh, broadcast. So you had out there, uh, I believe it was Dan Hardy and um, Paul Felder were going back and forth talking about it. But it is something that they said Michael Johnson was working on. And unfortunately, he did it again. At the end of the fight, he is coasting. He gets taken down. He gets dominated. He takes it out. What's next for Stevie Ray? Hey, man amazing win huge name on his record coming off of back-to-back losses um give him somebody in the top 15 also he gets somebody in the top 15 i don't really see either man stock dropping after this but at the end of the day um we have to see what happens next um neither guy are gonna win a title anytime soon um all right uh the rest of the card was whatever I want to talk about Bellator now because Bellator had a weekend. I have been extremely critical of Bellator for legitimate reasons. They've been putting doo-doo cards together over the last couple of six months. This year, I even said it. Out of all of the four major organizations, that's the UFC, one championship, PFL, I thought Bellator who at one point in time I thought could have surpassed the UFC is now to me at the very bottom. But put a couple of great cards together over the last month. They've had a number of pretty solid cards. I think out of all the organizations, they do the best in terms of scouting out up and coming talent, even somebody who I never agree with. And that's Brendan Schaub of the Below the Belt podcast. Um, He even said the same thing. He was pretty much quoted saying, look, man, out of any of these organizations, Bellator knows what they're doing in terms of scouting talent. And they do. Scott Coker is somebody from the beginning when he was all the way back in strike force. Think about this. Think about all of the people that Scott Coker has developed over the years. 
Tyron Woodley, Luke Rockhold, Jorge Masvidal. Do you want me to continue? Jacare Souza. Daniel Cormier. Come on, son. Some of the best ever to do it. Scott Coker was the guy that actually found them. So Bellator has a lot of talent. Now, they have back-to-back cards. They've been doing this a lot. Friday, Saturday cards, which I'm not mad at. Again, I enjoy it. I'm going to start off with the Saturday card because to me, that's where the biggest event of the weekend happened. And that was Bellator 232, the Mohegan Sun Arena over in Connecticut. And this fight was the rematch. It is the culmination of the Walter Wade Grand Prix final and the welterweight championship. It's a rematch between Rory, the Red King McDonald, versus Douglas Lima. And I'm not going to say that this was the most entertaining fight in the world, but it was definitely a decisive win for Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima goes out there, wins the belt, and truly outthought, outworked, Rory McDonald. In their first fight, it was 2-2 going into the into the fifth round, into the final round. Rory McDonald with one leg because Douglas Lima beat the shit out of his leg. Rory couldn't even stand on it. But with all the grit and tenacity that Rory McDonald has, and again, Rory McDonald is somebody who is the Bellator champion and somebody for years people have touted as the greatest welterweight in the world. Especially after his mentor and uh, mentor, George Champier, retired. So when this fight happened, we thoroughly expected, or a lot of people expected, that same type of grit and tenacity to come out. And that wrestling, Rory has elite wrestling. Rory was able to take down and dominate the former UFC champion, Tyron Woodley, with his wrestling. His wrestling is, is phenomenal. Like most guys over there at a TriStar in Montreal. He did not land a single takedown against Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima is one of those guys that didn't start off quick like a Conor McGregor. He didn't get all the fanfare and all of the the hoopla that a lot of Aaron Picos have gotten. He is somebody that has stayed under the radar, beat some really tough guys, lost to some very tough guys, and continued persevering. He has three title reigns now with Bellator. In their tournament system, in their tournament structure, this is something that Bellator has become really, really, really famous for doing. He is currently 9-0 in those three separate tournaments. And he has won each one of them. Two of them. He won $100,000 for winning the entire tournament. This last one. He was greeted in the middle of the cage with a bottle of champagne by 50 Cent. 50 was sitting there right in the middle of the cage and presented Douglas Seema a million dollar check. 
My man has earned it. Earned every penny. He's done it the hard way. And now he is finally getting the recognition that he actually deserves. Douglas Lima is a beast. And it really brings into question, is Douglas Lima the best welterweight in the world now? And that really is a, is a question that we have to debate now. We legitimately have to discuss. I go down the list of welterweights in the UFC because let's keep it a, let's just, we're going to be trail with it, right? UFC has the best welterweights in the world. So let's look at their top five. Number one, we have the champion, Kamara Usman. Number two, we have the former champion, Tyron Woodley. I have no idea he's still ranked that high, but whatever. Number three, Colby Covington. Number four, Jorge Masvidal. Number five, Leon Edwards. Number six, RDA. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Number one, Woodley. Number two, Colby. Number three, Masvidal. Number four, Leon Edwards. Number five, Rafael Dos Anjos. If I have to put money on it right now, Douglas Lima beats Colby Covington Depending on what, if Woodley is Woodley, mm, I don't know. But, I, I mean, I think you might have to legitimately put him at number three. There's nothing that he doesn't do well. He has elite striking. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He has elite wrestling now. The dude is a, a headache for anybody. Can I say he's number one? unequivocally number one no i can't say that but what i can say is that i'd put my money on him if he fought against some of these guys if he fought against a kamar usman i think his power his takedown defense would be a real real issue against colby covington i think that his power, his takedown defense, and his leg kicks will be a legitimate problem for Kobe Covington. I think Jorge Masvidal will be actually a more entertaining fight because Jorge is so well-rounded and also brings those, those lunch boxes with him. So, and then he definitely beats RDA. And he definitely beats Leon Edwards. Dude is an absolute beast. He's in the top. I'm so happy. He's actually getting the love that he finally, he finally deserves. Great win by Douglas Lima, man. Also, yo, y'all must have forgot. Paul Semtex Daily goes out there, fights side of wide, and lands one of those patented Simtex left hooks and if you guys haven't had an opportunity to already I have the clip on my IG it is from the goat crime faces IG page he broke it down yo bonsai my man went out there and landed a huge left hook complete domination beat Sadawa in the first round Paul Daly with the record 42 17 and 2 absolute monster man um notables that i also want to talk about in this fight i want to talk about patrick mix yo patrick mix is one of those incredible 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 prospects that scott coker of bellator um has put together scott mix is 12 no 
He has beaten some of the best prospects in the world, some of the toughest guys in the world. Friend of the show, um, uh, Ricky Bandejas, he beat with a quick submission. Goes out there and gets the Suva left stretch. Ugh. If you haven't seen this submission, again, check out the fight's uh, IG page. That will also be on there. But essentially, the Suva left stretch is where you get somebody's position from the back. You grab their leg and you stretch their hamstring until they got a tap or else their hamstring rips in half. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, it looks so uncomfortable. And his boy who was out there getting just chopped up by him looked like he didn't know what hit him. Great win uh, by Patrick Mix. Yo, Bellator, you got one. Um, moving right along. And you know we got to keep this going. And absolutely, again, again, since we're talking about today's menu, we have to talk about Sage Eats. Remember, Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. They deliver meals right to your house, help you with your nutrition, and also give you the best fitness mentoring out there on the market. Hit them up today. SageEatsChicago.com. Check them out. They'll give you 10% off your first three months. Um, also, like I said, check them out on all social media platforms at Sage Eats Chicago. And as always, check us out. www.thefightpodcast.com. Let your people know about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the universe. Um, you can find us everywhere. Podcasts are available. And also you can check us out everywhere on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me at serge vicente boom <laughs> all right man um continuing with today's menu bellator 231 was this past friday it was headlined by the two old dinosaurs in frank mir versus roy nelson i mean what can i say the fight was cool it was two dudes well past their prime Frank Mir won the fight. I had him winning. He won a unanimous decision. It was good to see him get a W. He actually won. Um, he had his young daughter in the, in the corner. He got emotional talking about that. Man, great win for Frank Mir. Nice to see him getting off the schneid after not winning a fight for the, like the last four years. So congrats to Frank Mir. Phil Davis also in the co-main event beat this blonde vampire angel looking dude um from sweden in his first fight carl albertson he ends up getting a tko win um right in the first round again if you have an opportunity to check it out look this fight wasn't i mean okay what's next for phil davis he should fight for a title he wants ryan bader back and i see that being an incredible fight He's making adjustments. He's growing. And the fact that now I'm seeing him with power is an amazing thing. I can't wait to see that. Also, on this card, this was my fight of the night. Ed Ruth, the 8-1 major prospect. He was my dark horse in the welterweight Grand Prix earlier this year when I said this in February. He fought Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson, the Florida prospect, somebody honestly who will be one of my guests on the Fight Podcast this week. He recently confirmed that, so I'm excited to have him on the show. Yo, back and forth action, very close fight. Um, 
it could have gone either way. I personally would have been happy with the draw, especially seeing how dominant Jason Jackson was in the end of the fight. But at the end of the day, great win for Ed Ruth. And he moves forward. We'll see what happens next. But me personally, I would love to see a rematch with these two guys in the very near future. Great MMA weekend, guys. A lot of solid fights. A lot of title implications. And um, again, we're seeing how the sport is evolving. We're also seeing what ends up happening when people don't evolve. Ben Askren, if he evolved, there's no excuse. There's legitimately no excuse. He trains with Anthony Showtime Pettis. He trains with Paul Felder. He's up there at Roof Sport. But he only wants to focus on actually getting better at wrestling. I don't, I don't get it. And honestly, if you look at his body, like, fam, do you even try? Like, it's funny. But he looks like shit. Like, that's a dad bod. Like, okay, Daniel Cormier has a dad bod. But if you look at dude from the back, pause. <laughs> but seriously, yo, huge traps, huge back, huge posterior chain. Dude is built like an animal. You got this Ben Askren who's built like a, uh, he's built like a beanbag. Yo, fam looks terrible. You can't tell me that he's evolving. And this shows us a lot in the sport. Look at what happens when you don't evolve. We're seeing the evolution of one. We're seeing, in, in terms of Douglas Lima, watching him taking L's, get back up the resilience, the having to reinvent himself. That's why we love combat sports. The storylines, everything that we can see, everything is tangible, everything is right there. But speaking of the evolution, a star is born in Reno, Nevada. Shakur Stevenson goes out there in a boxing match. Shakur Stevenson is one of the best boxing, best boxing prospects in the world. He, go, he goes out there and beats Joette Gonzalez in just a washing he just completely washed dude to win the vacant WBO, um, the WBO featherweight title. He looks incredible. You can't touch this kid. First and foremost, let's talk about this. You talking about the cosign. Yo, my man has the cosign of cosigns. He's managed and mentored by Andre Ward. And also mentored by arguably the number one pound for pound boxer in the world, Terrence Crawford. And when he was walking out to the cage, or should I say the ring, the young squared circle, my man's was flanked. On his right side, Terrence Bud Crawford. On his left side, you had Andre Ward. Fam, I was getting goosebumps watching it. You knew it was something special when you saw this kid. And then let's just toss in all the tea that we had in this in this next fight. Let's see how they ended up, you know what I'm saying? How they brewed the beer. All that. 
against Joel Gonzalez because remember, Shakur Stevenson dates and lives with Joel Gonzalez's sister. And they don't even speak anymore because of it. All the bad blood, all shit talk going back and forth. And your boy Shakur Stevenson put the thumpers on this kid. Yo, Joel Gonzalez only landed 11% of his strikes. Nothing significant. He only landed four jabs in the entire fight. And here's the thing. It's not like Joel Gonzalez is just some scrub. Fam, he's a beast. Undefeated, 26-0. Knockout artist. He just got schooled. Straight taken to school. My man might as well gave him a lunchbox and just kept it rocking. It wasn't even close. Amazing win by, um, by Shakur Stevenson. I'm telling you, man, I will break it down a little bit more in depth later on this week in my boxing episode. All things boxing all the time. But as of right now, yo, boxing, we got one. Shakur Stevenson, Devin Haney, the sport of boxing is in an incredible spot. Um, the American prospects we have are incredible. Oh, and let's toss this into it. Shakur Stevenson is the first 2016 Olympian to actually win a world title. Man, dude is amazing, man. Uh, can't wait to see what happens next. He actually also, he called out um, Josh Warrington, who is the WBO champion. My man's out here already belt, belt hunting. So I can't wait to see what happens next. He's He really is um, managed and brought up the right way. Also this weekend in the world of boxing, we had the World Boxing Super Series. And this is for the 140 pound super lightweight title. It was against Josh Taylor, who was the WBC champion against Regis, or should I say the IBF champion against Regis Progray, who was the WBA champion. Amazing fight. And I have to say this, something that we talked about back in episode, I believe it was 154, and that it was with um, Brandon Camille, our boxing analyst here. Over the last about month and a half, last about 45 days, we've had incredible fights. Boxing has put together some of the biggest titleists against one another. You have Errol Spence competing against Sean Porter. You had Gennady Golovkin fighting against Dervichenko. I mean, the list goes on and on. And now we just had another one. It was amazing. Amazing fight, amazing time, and honestly, and unfortunately, Regis Progray ends up losing in a very close fight in a majority decision, 114-114, 115-113, and whoever, whatever drunk-ass English person put this out here, but it was 117-112. I personally had it 115-113 for Josh Taylor. Incredible fight, Regis Progray just didn't turn it on in time. He, in my opinion, won the 11th and 12th round, but he didn't turn it on. He should have done that in the 9th, the 9th and 10th round also. He didn't. Josh Taylor looked incredible. And I'm going to be honest with you. First of all, these guys were talking spicy back and forth beforehand. But afterwards, 
complete gentleman. Even Regis Progress said, look, it was a close fight. He was the better man one. He won tonight. I thought it was pretty even until the last few rounds. I hope I have the opportunity to do it again. I love that. Gives the man his due. Says, hey, I thought it was close. I got to check it out. Hope we could do it again. Congrats to him. Thank you, London. I love it. Great win. Um, both men, I think, stock rises after this. And here's the thing. Something that I'm really, really big on. Yo. A loss is not a big deal. Who cares if you lose, if it's a close fight against one of the other best guys in the world? Continue building. Continue fighting. That was never an issue in boxing until the Floyd Mayweather era. Let's get away from that shit. Let's have the best fight the best. If you get an L, who cares? Who gives a damn? Just go out there and continue plugging away, man. Incredible fight by Josh Taylor. And now he sets up a fight with the WBC and WBO champion, Jose Ramirez. And I'm going to be honest with you. Man, I think Jose Ramirez is the best in this weight class. It should be a good fight. I can't wait to see it. As of right now, I got Ramirez. But again, I'll break that down a little bit more in depth in our boxing episode later on this week. Um, all right. This week, who were this weekend's winners and losers? You know, this is one of our favorite parts in the show where we pretty much break down who's trash and who's not and who needs to possibly pack it up and who continues moving forward. That is our winners and losers. And this week, we're going to start off with love and positivity. And we have to give it to Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima, like I said, um, I can go on and on about this dude. He looked incredible. He is incredible. And he is arguably the best welterweight in the world. He is picking himself up from obscurity. And now he is at the peak, at the epicenter of the sport Congratulations to him and to Bellator, man. You guys have one. Also, Shakur Stevenson. Boxing, we got one. He is legit. He is the real deal. This fight was to see him fight a legitimate contender. This was supposed to be a step up. And he passed it with flying colors. It's, it wasn't even a close fight. Shakur Stevenson is going to be a name that we hear about in this sport for the next decade. All right, great. Those are by far the two biggest winners of the weekend. Now, who took the biggest L of the weekend? And that has to be, no surprise, Ben Askren. Ben Askren, who was supposed to be the guy, he talks a big game, but now more and more it looks like, yo, this dude isn't who we thought he was. Ben Askren, somebody who Joe Rogan and Brendan Schaub said is the greatest grab. They said he is a better grappler than George St. Pierre. That's what Joe Rogan said. He said he's better than George St. Pierre. The only person that actually went out there and said not nah, refuted that was the conspiracy theorist himself, Eddie Bravo. But still. How could we possibly say that? But that's what everyone thought, and that's what everyone was feeling leading up to it. 
especially with all the momentum that he had coming into the UFC. But now we're looking at it, man. He's going down. He's going down fast. He has so many holes in his game. He's one dimensional. He has terrible striking. I don't believe the UFC lost, but Ben Askren absolutely did. His legacy has taken a huge hit, and realistically, he might have been better off staying retired. Um, Also, I think the biggest loser of the weekend was USADA. By far, this is the biggest loser of the weekend. I told you guys at the beginning of the show, I want to talk about this a little bit. But as we know, the fight with Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz this upcoming weekend was in jeopardy because they said that there was a trace amounts of something in Nate Diaz's um, test. All of us who watch the sport, all of us know Nate Diaz is not somebody who actually is ever going to be on PEDs. He's not. That's not his bag. That's not what he does. But USADA said they were almost they almost pulled him from the card. And Nate Diaz did something that I think more fighters should have done. Nate Diaz went out there and essentially strong armed them boys and said, look, fam, this is not what we're doing. I am not playing this game with y'all and you need to clear my name or I'm not even going to New York. The UFC acted, the UFC made it happen, and then it can. Then now the fight is on. I'm going to say this about USADA. USADA passes itself off as fighter-friendly. They're not. USADA does not give fighters a seat at the table. They're paid by and pretty much governed by the UFC. And they essentially have the ability to go out there and accuse people of certain things and they will put a press release out suspend people but if it turns around and it's not an adverse claim or it was a tainted supplement they don't do the same type of due diligence to clear that athlete's name so that athlete in turn ends up losing sponsorships money popularity They crush these people's careers. In turn, what do they do? They damage the reputation of careers with their stupid policies. And here's the thing. If they corrected these policies, usually it would be better, but they don't. And again, they go out there and they pass themselves off. Oh, we're here for the fighters. We're here to make sure they're doing things for the fighters. They're not. USADA is not here for the fighters. Who signs the head guy, Jeff Nowitzki's checks with USADA? That's Dana White. They work for the organization. They don't work for the fighters. Look at all the fighters that they've shit on over the last couple of years and have not vindicated. Tom Lawler, Josh Barnett, Frank Mir, Sean O'Malley, Neil Magny. On top of Nate Diaz. Some of these fighters haven't even been able to fight since then. Sean O'Malley. Somebody, Sugar Sean, was somebody who we believed was going to be one of the next big things in the sport. But because of USADA. Because of this stupid organization. 
he hasn't even been able to compete over some bullshit. I don't just, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Many of the fighters feel this way. They do not have a seat at the table. If they had a seat at the table, if there was a fighters, I'm talking to you fuckers, unionize, then maybe we'd be able to sit there and actually have a seat at the table and people will be able to get vindicated. Until that happens, you sada, you suck. By far, the worst organization, they are making the UFC look bad and they almost blew another event. Thank God for Nate Diaz. A legit bad motherfucker. Because he wasn't there for the shits. He sat back. He said, forget you guys. I have never taken anything. I'm a freaking vegan. I'm out here, you know, working my butt off. I only eat whole foods. And they ended up going out. He said, look, I will not compete. Y'all won't get paid until y'all clear my name. Well, guess what happened? Dana White. Yo, he's clear. Usada, y'all better say it. Usada, oh, well, it was from a multivitamin. Nothing's really wrong. He's clear. Why can't you do that with every other fighter that something has happened to? It's whack. Nate Diaz, you're a hero, fam. Keep it up. Keep smoking bud. Keep selling CBD and keep doing what you do. And also, Jorge Masvidal, what a gentleman. My man went out there in full support of Nate Diaz afterwards. He put out a tweet and said, look, I am. He said, Nate Diaz is not the baddest motherfucker in the world. He said, I am. But one thing I will say is Nate Diaz is one of the cleanest mofos in the world. I know you're clean. Let's do this. Fuck you, Sada. That's what Jorge said. This is why this fight this weekend, this belt this weekend, this BMF belt is so important. And that's why the fans love this fight. Because Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz are two of the most genuine actual fighters and men in the entire sport. Fan friendly, always come to scrap from the hood, respect the game. I love those two. I can't wait to see that fight. Um, speaking of this week, yo, we have a lot coming up for you guys this week. Um, I'll actually be out of town this upcoming weekend, but I'm still giving y'all all the heat. And we have amazing interviews this week coming up. I'll also be obviously be breaking down all the fight news of the week. I'll actually have a guest on that episode. We'll break down the BMF title and more this weekend. This is also the Canelo versus Kovalev fight. I'll be breaking that down with Brandon Camille and as well we have so much more coming to you guys this week. But with that being said, yo, Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you guys each week by Sage Eats. Salute to our sponsors. Check them out, sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off your first three months. Also, check us out, the Fight Podcast, the greatest combat sports and culture show in the world, in the entire universe. Check us out everywhere podcasts are available 
Um, subscribe, rate, share, tell your friends, check out the website, continue communicating with me. I love it. I appreciate it. I love all the responses that I'm getting. I'm even appreciating all the spice that I've been getting also, man. So keep it up either way, man. Love you guys. Um, all in all, follow me at Serge Vicente. Follow the Fight Podcast everywhere podcasts are available. This has been episode 155. Thank you as always for listening. Like I said, I love you guys. I'll holler at you next time right here on the Fight Podcast. And always, this is the underground king, Serge Vicente. Deuces! Deuces!